Namaste and welcome back to Demystifying Mindfulness, a series of conversations between me, Shweta Shivaraman, and Dr. Paras, the founder of Mindfulness Practitioner, as we break down various aspects that can help you live life mindfully. In our last episode, we spoke to you about the diverse, powerful emotions human beings experience and how we can take control of it. Today, we are going to delve into something deeper, into the awareness of our innermost self. We're going to address connecting with the deeper you. And I must say, Paras, you've got me fascinated with the topic itself here. (laughs) So how about we start with exploring the you that we're talking about here? Namaste, everyone. And absolutely, Shweta, it is fascinating. So Carl Rogers, a leading psychologist, shared his theory of self, which is relevant here to understand this you we are speaking about. As individuals, we all have two sides to us. One that is a real self, where we are true to who we are from within and the ideal or executive self, the self we project to be accepted in the society. The executive self tends to follow set norms wherein we make adjustments to be that way. So say for instance, as a kid, you were disciplined by your parents not to retaliate or argue or share your opinions with adults irrespective of whether your real self wishes to speak out, the executive self, who has ingrained this conditioning, shies away from speaking up. And this behavior, when repeated over and over again to the person's life, starts to create incongruence between the projected self and the real self. And the more these two personalities are apart, it becomes harder for the individual to bridge the rift as they become older. And that is why connecting with deeper real you becomes important in mindful living. Hmm. Interesting, Paras. And where does this disconnect come from? Well, as individuals, we are conditioned by our experience. We add layers to who we are with every interaction, encounter, and milestone moments in our lives. It could be joy, guilt, expectations, anxiety, grief, anger. The more layers we add, the more complex we become. And the further we are taken away from who we truly are, we fail to distinguish ourselves from the stories we have told ourselves for decades. Right. And in the example that you shared earlier, is there a trigger to this behavior that we can trace this back to? Yes and no. In some cases, it can be traced back to a specific, significant experience that could change the course of a person's life. But in most cases, It is a gradual conditioning that unfolds over time. 
Remember, our personalities are a combination of genetics, environment, and situation. Whatever we become comes from our genes, the environment we grew up in, our culture, community, the people we interact with, and situations are events in our lives which are beyond our control. And these situations impact our thinking, feeling, and behaviors. So, if we go back to our example of the child being disciplined for arguing or talking back to adults, it could have happened in multiple instances, say in conversation with parents, school teachers, or uncle or aunts. As the child was growing up and shaping his or her personality, and this conditioning eventually becomes a belief that manifests our responses or actions in the form of a learned behavior. Right. And going by your explanations, Paras, the disconnect seems deep-rooted. So how does one then become aware of such a disconnect within themselves? Actually, this disconnect grows as we become more incongruent to our innermost self and become quite apparent. If you look back in your own life, you would notice moments of deep dissatisfaction from within when your actions in reality are not congruent to your beliefs or your inner self. This dissatisfaction could manifest in many visible ways if one pays attention. Humans are designed magnificently with inherent natural intelligence. Think back to when we were just born. Babies cry when there is something wrong. Whether they are hungry or sleepy, they could express their inner need despite not knowing language or communication. But as we grow up, we suppress this natural intelligence. It is suppressed, but can be found within each of us. And when we do make that connection, we connect with our truest selves. We listen to our instincts and inner wisdom and can build a congruent life. That's interesting, Paras. Now that you mention it, I can trace back to how dissatisfaction showed up in many ways in my life when there was incongruence. But let's talk more about this natural intelligence. Is this where the term gut instinct comes from? Absolutely. There is a lot of science behind what we call gut instinct too. The entire digestive system, right from the mouth to the esophagus, the stomach and intestines put together, have more nerve cells than the spinal cord. Historically, it was believed that the stomach communicated with the brain indirectly, typically through a process called neuropeptide signaling. And this instinct or intuition 
is the result of processing several pieces of information at a subconscious level. The reason we call it intuition is because the reasoning is not apparent at a cognitive conscious level, but you can be rest assured that it has been processed thoroughly within. That's interesting for us. But how can one tap into this natural intelligence as the connection might not be of the same intensity for everyone? That is true, Shweta. Years of suppressing these instincts could make us out of sync from receiving these signals. But there are a few things we could do today to realign this. First, checking in with self frequently. We think what we feel and we feel what we think. The connection between thoughts and emotions is extremely codependent. That's why one of the presuppositions in NLP is body and mind is one representational system. So whatever we feel in our body has an impact on the mind and vice versa. So frequently checking in with oneself, what we are thinking and feeling could help us bring our awareness to whatever that disconnect is within us. Second is questioning. Right from Socrates, philosophers have believed in the power of questioning. Continuously questioning. What is that I'm doing that is helping? What is it that is not working? And what could I do differently? Such questions evoke curiosity and deeper inquisition, which helps us move from discomfort negative to more comfort and functional thinking. Third, exploring the depths of silence. Meditation is a great way to use stillness and silence as a way to be completely attuned to your body and your natural intelligence. In silence, you can observe what comes up and see how it's relevant in your life. You could also use your breath as an anchor to bring in that awareness. Fourth, find a creative expression writing, sketching, painting. This is a great way to set aside our thinking minds and be available for the subconscious to express itself. That sounds doable, almost. What are the other ways one can establish this connection with oneself? To connect to deeper self, physically, pranayama is very helpful. Practices like the Bhambri Pranayama, adapted from the term Brahma, which means humming bee, is very powerful. The practice is very simple. All you need to do is to sit in a comfortable posture, close your eyes, and make a humming sound like this within you. Mm. 
It is one of the best calming breathing practice that soothes the nervous system and helps to connect with one's true self. It also helps the mind to let go of agitation, anxiety, and anger almost instantaneously. Also meditation, like Aum chanting, could help you relax and connect to the deeper self. Interesting. Would you like to share how one can practice Aum chanting meditation too? And also other ways of relaxing and connecting with oneself? Sure. Take a deep breath in. And as you release your breath, chant the Aum. And other ways of relaxation could be Reiki therapy, massage therapy, natural walk, acupressure or acupuncture, chakra healing, and yogasanas. Even the simple task of nourishing our bodies with a proper diet can help establish that connection. Positive and empowering affirmations could help us make changes if what's happening in our lives is not working. The sense of all these approaches is to understand one's core values. We all spend a lot of time learning in universities and at our jobs, but in all that hurry, we miss out on something important from a life university. Understanding ourselves, who we are, what motivates us, what matters to us, and what we want to accomplish in our limited time on this planet. Each of these questions can help us find and strengthen that connection with who we really are. Wow, while that sounds intriguing for us, is this something one can do unassisted by themselves all the way through? Well, this might differ from individual to individual. The way I see it is, the basics can be learned by individuals by themselves. But while exploring a deeper level of questioning, I would recommend exploring purposeful conversations with trusted friends, a coach, therapist, or a mindfulness practitioner. When we are exploring deeper into ourselves, there might be several shadows that could come up which need to be worked upon before building that connection with the true self. You see, Whenever we run towards the light, we hide away from the dark spaces or shadows of our life. 
We keep waiting for the end of the tunnel and for the light to shine upon us. But Shraddha, it doesn't work like that. It is about being in that space of darkness and letting the light glow from within us. The shadows in our life will travel with us always and we need to work on it, process it and find peace within. Everything has a duality. There is darkness to lightness, sadness to happiness, anger to being pleasant. When we get past the duality, we witness that all is one, all is love and compassion. So you don't run away from your shadows, rather you confront it and make peace with it. And a trained practitioner could be in a better position to guide you through this process of facing your shadows, tapping into your resourceful space and processing what comes up gently to not just establish but also anchor and sustain that connection in the long run. Intriguing, Paras. Thank you for walking us through that journey. And at this juncture, I'm curious would you like to share your path of discovery? How did you go about connecting with that deeper you? Yeah, as we discussed earlier, Shweta, I had my existential crisis quite early on in my childhood. I pursued the path of meditation, the bhakti mark. I learned concepts and theories and models and practiced meditation myself regularly and slowly with conscious awareness I started to notice change happen in me I found a lot of peace within me an unbridled joy I had that sweet spot where I became so detached and more connected with the internal universe I witnessed a lot of vivid dreams of going deep into my own self. I started to challenge my beliefs, questioning myself, inquiring more about my deepest desires, fears, and started to accept myself, forgiving people, and forgive myself in that journey. There is no duality when you are in touch with your own innermost self, you're completely aligned with your purpose, something much beyond your passion. I can say I could find peace, joy, happiness in the smallest of things. Thank you, Paras, for sharing that with us. We spoke a lot about finding this connection with oneself. But why is it truly important? What can one gain from such a connection? Huh. Well, I think the question should be, what can one not gain with it? Sishweta, 
the connection is vital to our very existence and our fundamental nature. Understanding ourselves deeply with full awareness brings in clarity, not just on the personal front, but in every aspect of our lives. This connection brings in resilience within oneself to keep us steady irrespective of the external chaos around us. And given what's happening around in the world today, it is needless to say, it is essential for our psychological, spiritual, social and philosophical growth. Hmm. Staying grounded despite the chaos around us definitely is much needed. But assuming that we achieve that level of awareness and clarity within ourselves, how does one go about changing the trajectory of our narrative and actually connect with one's innermost self? I think the biggest shift here, Shweta, is to allow yourself to feel all the emotions and process them. Oftentimes, we would rather overlook negative emotions like betrayal, anger, sadness, guilt, regrets, or uncomfortable experiences because processing it is hard work. But addressing each of these layers we have added to our projected self is what will help us peel through them and to connect with the core self. We need to consciously align what we think and feel with our actions daily to bridge this gap in our day-to-day lives, to challenge our beliefs and understand what we value most. One thing we must remember here is that it's a journey and not a one-time process. There are many layers to this self. What we call as Ananta in Sanskrit. It means how much deep inside, outside you want to go is infinite. But the crux is to keep going forward. That is a beautiful message indeed. The crux is to keep moving forward, to deepen that connection with our innermost selves and lead congruent lives where our thoughts, emotions and actions are in sync to our truest selves. And on that note, we sign off for this episode. Watch out for the next episode as we break down needs and wants and what we must pursue in life to live mindfully. Until we meet again, this is Shweta and Paris signing off, hoping you have a mindful week ahead. Namaste.